This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, I... I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think we've been wildly successful with these video breakdown episodes. And because we are nothing if not two guys who know how to pivot away from being wildly successful, um, we're going to deviate from that formula a little bit this time and talk about the NFL draft. But I think I think pretty soon, man, we need to hop on some more uh, some more tape breakdown. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. So we did get one social media request to do a home mm-hmm. run derby. They wanted us to break down the Josh Hamilton Ooh. home run derby. What was that, like 2008 maybe? Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm reluctant to do a home run derby simply because it's the same exact thing over and over and <laughs> over and over yeah. again. Um, but, Guy on growth hormone jacking, you know, tape measure home runs. Yeah, and and, and and he hit like 28 in one round. Which means that it's just like, oh, look, another bomb to right center field in Yankee St- Oh, look, another bomb to right center field in Yankee Stadium. Oh, look, it's just over and over again. So, I'm I'm reluctant to do the home run derby, but we'll we'll figure out some options. There are there are other there are other routes we can go with this for sure. Oh, absolutely, dude. There's no end to like nostalgia and tape and dude. I enjoyed that dunk contest way more than I thought I would. I mean, I knew I would enjoy it. But it was it was delightful, man. Uh, all the little things about it, the Cosby sweaters, the non-named arena. Um, it was great. And uh, I kind of can't wait to do the consistency like of complete trash judging. Yeah. Trash judging. <laughs> um, yeah. Certain guys getting completely screwed over by the whole thing. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was delightful, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Another thing, Piper, that I thoroughly enjoy and have enjoyed this my entire life is the NFL draft. And I dare say it might be my favorite NFL thing. I mean, I feel like for me, favorite NFL moments year to year are always the draft, the first preseason game. So like the Hall of Fame game, um, the first regular season games. I mean, these these kind of initial things. I'm always way more into that than I am like the Super Bowl or the playoffs or whatever. Right. Uh, but I've always loved the draft, dude, so much that like – when I was a little kid, I was a dork. I mean, I was just such a dork. But I would—I had these Mead notebooks that I would fill up with like my own scouting reports. We're talking like grade school here, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And uh, the fact that I was unsuccessful with girls at that time in my life is a surprise to no one, I'm sure. But uh, my folks had this real hardcore policy about when I could stay home from school. Like basically I had to be puking and running a fever and the whole deal. Right. But they always let me stay home for the NFL draft. And this is back when the NFL draft was just kind of like daytime fetish programming for ESPN. So the days of the draft, they always let me stay home, man, so that I could track the picks and, and you know, run them against my uh, my projections in the Mead notebook. That's, a, were, that's amazing because – Yeah. With, especially with parents with those kinds of standards. Like your parents are not the types who would have given you like a mental health day. Dude, no, no. I mean, and nowadays in 2020, you can just be like, oh, I feel a little down and – Dude, that's the ultimate trump card, right? I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm just not sure I feel up for Algebra 2 today. <laughs> Dude, I never felt up for Algebra 2. If mental health had been a thing in like 1993 when I was struggling with Algebra 2, I would have played that card all the time. 
Um, but yeah, my folks, man, pretty cool people. You know, the older I get, the more I realize how exceedingly cool they were to let me home, stay home and watch the draft back when it was just, yeah, it was like Mel Kuyper, Chris Berman. Uh, the presentation was pretty lo-fi and that's the first thing I want to talk about pipe. So I think we texted a little bit about this last year when the draft was happening. The draft was in Nashville. It was on Broadway. It happened to be during a monsoon, but there were still a bazillion people out and there was still this completely obnoxious, like old man band on the stage. So it was this, it was this like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I don't know who the band was, but my guess is it was like the best session musicians in Nashville who got paid an ungodly sum to play like cover songs of, I don't know, like whatever eagle songs or something i don't even know what they were playing but like it was just like they looked asleep up there and it was awesome dude yeah it was the worst kind of like middle-aged man bar music you know what i mean like i'm just chilling with my bud and my bros it was that kind of music that kind of riff over and over (laughs) yeah exactly so you had that you had like mel kuyper screaming over the top of it you had the cacophony of twelve thousand people who were smashed like lining the streets in Nashville. It was almost hard to watch. Um, it was like watching a migraine. You know what I mean? It was really <laughs> aggravating. And so I'm looking at this COVID-19 thing and I'm looking at the whole draft being basically just, I don't know, like T4G. Is it going to be like uh, John Gruden in his living room making picks or, uh, you know, Jerry Jones and in, in a, in a office in his house or whatever, but it's going to be quieter, dude. It's going to be a lot quieter and it's going to be a lot more like it was when my folks let me stay home from school to watch it. And I'm kind of stoked. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think I'm I'm in agreement with you largely. Uh, I think the main reason I'm excited is because I'm starving. I'm yeah. starving for sports. And uh, I had this very... Um, arrogant sense of things when we went into lockdown. They're like, "I'll be fine. I'll. Yeah. Uh, I'm not fine, Ted. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making it, <laughs> dude. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely know. dying. And so, I, 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 if it was just one person talking for three hours announcing the picks, like if it was just my least favorite commissioner, Roger Goodell, yeah. saying with the first pick, with the second, I would watch it. I would watch all three hours, and then hopefully it. they interspersed a clip here and there. Like I'm, I'm very excited about this this thing yeah dude we're gonna lap it up this year we really are and i think we're gonna appreciate it more because there aren't any other options um so yeah i can't wait man i i think and and i wonder if it will be instructive at all to the league to sort of dial it back because last year to me was like how ridiculous it could get you know you had these kids in their purple suits walking out underneath like 50 foot video feeds of themselves. And it was just emblematic of everything that's wrong about sports in 2020 where, um, I think you're becoming one of those idealists we made fun of. Oh dude, I totally am. There is no chance, not a single chance, not a snowball's chance in Scottsdale that, uh, that they are going to learn anything from this. None. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Piper. What was I thinking? But I, I don't want to rain on your parade. I think what I this is, is a one year reprieve for those of us who hate the gong show so yeah. that we can just love football Yeah, and dude. then we'll have our batteries yeah. a little recharged for next year. Exactly, man. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So 
let's talk about some storylines, dude. Let's talk about um, some things that we're thinking about heading into this draft. I'm going to pull up our show notes. This is bad radio right now. Um, so quarterbacks. Uh, who do you like out of this quarterback class? What do you think about Tua? There's a lot of Tua-related conversation. I don't know if you were able to watch his pro day. He had like a virtual pro day at I think it was at D1 there in Nashville because it was a it was a Trent Dilfer production. Was it? And there was a, there was a lot of great Trent Dilfer quarterback hyperbole being thrown around about Tua's workout and how amazing it was. I watched it. Um, I like Tua. I, I like. I like his college tape a lot, man. I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's got a really incredible arm. Um, you know, he's good at reading defenses. He's good at doing a lot of that pro stuff that we mm-hmm. talk about. Injuries are a concern. He's broken his wrists. He's had the hip thing. Um, I wasn't blown away by the the indoor pro day workout, um, but that could just be me. What do you think about Tua as an investment? Because he's he's kind of all over the place in these mock drafts now. So I think it was towards the end of this last college season, we were talking about some things and I said pretty definitively on this podcast that I think he was a better pick than, uh, it was also before, I think before I knew the extent of his injury that he was a better pick than, um, Burrow. Yeah. Uh, I still like him more than Burrow in terms of upside. I think Burrow's a way safer pick and you know, the bit, I don't think the Bengals will go wrong with them, but, um, I, yeah, I love to, uh, there's obviously some concerns, but to me, he's the kind of guy who, if a team passes on him because he's a risk, yeah, their their chances of regretting it are much greater than taking him as a risk and him not working out. Yeah. So, like, say the Chargers at six take him. Yeah. First of all, great situation because they're a pretty solid team, um, good weapons. They have yeah, a quarterback really in weapons. place who they could ride with if you know he's not quite ready. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't work out, like, that oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But if he was to work out for the seventh or the eighth or the ninth teams who took him and they passed on him, they would be kicking themselves because they're stuck with Tyrod Taylor, who we both like, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have. He's not doesn't have high upside. Yeah. So I think I think it totally makes sense. I think that I think once Burrow's gone, Tua ought to be the second quarterback off the board, and a team. Yeah. I think a team that takes uh, what's his face out of Oregon, Herbert, Herbert is going to really regret it as compared to Tua. Yeah, I think Herbert has the potential to be this year's Blake Bortles. You know, the the guy that we get wowed by in shorts at the combine. But I, I mean, uh, I think he's I think he's better because I don't even think Bortles was good in college. I think he was fine. Whereas like Herbert was had had some really good game tape. Like the Rose Bowl was really good. Bortles was Mitch Trubisky. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. The the white guy who fit the paradigm, who was who was great in shorts, who we all kind of talked ourselves into. I think into. Herbert is um uh what's his name? Uh Josh um Josh Allen? No, not that uh, one. The Rams. What's his face? Oh, Jared Goff. Jared, Josh, Jared, whatever. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he's sort of Jared Goffish. We're like Interesting. he good good guy right system he's going to do some things but like he's not a guy who you're going to depend on to turn your team around yeah uh he's i don't know i think i think if if a team falls in love with herbert and picks him over to there's a real strong chance that they look like idiots in about two years yeah dude i get that i think if you're the chargers too there's a ticket sales component to this and and not that you make football decisions based on marketing but I mean, they're building a 
monumentally expensive stadium in a media market that doesn't care about them at all. And, you know, not that a Tua or a Herbert is going to move the needle, but I think if, if their pick comes and goes and they don't draft someone of interest, um, yeah, I just, they couldn't fill that little 35,000 seat soccer stadium they were playing in last year. I can't imagine them filling, you know, a real NFL building. Um, but yeah, they need to do something significant, um, in, in a lot of ways for their franchise. Uh, I like Tua. um, I don't know if I like him better than Herbert, uh, just because of the injury concerns, man. I mean, he's, he's small, he's brittle. Um, there are a lot of those concerns, but I think, I think you're right, pipe. I think passing on him has the the lowest floor, you know what I mean? So if think, you pass on a Yeah, I think Miami, I think was, Miami would be dumb to pass on him too. You know, cuz they, they would. I think they, they would. have what, the 5th pick? Is yep. that right? Yeah, I mean I I think they you know, they I heard somebody, you know, one of these draft draft experts talking about how like Miami could pass on him and then like they're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but they're not. Because no, they're, they're going to be they're going to win six or seven right. games. They're going to be too yeah. good because yeah. they have uh, was it Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, they, they have like seven picks in the first two rounds or something like that, or five picks in yeah. the first two rounds. They made some very smart signings in the offseason. Like they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna be a six win team, which means they're going to have the seventh pick again. And you know, so maybe they get a decent quarterback. I don't know. I think if they pass on. Tua, I think if the Chargers pass on Tua, they, they're both idiots. I think he could slide. I think he could be like the 18th yeah. pick or something. But if that's the case, um, yeah. those teams will be sorry. Dude, what if he gets to the Raiders? Do you think John Gruden would take him? He's I, already got Derek Carr. He's already got Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I just I don't know how he could because of the the investment in those quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, like I'm just rolling down here. Uh Jacksonville at nine. If he fell to Jacksonville, yeah. they absolutely should snap him up. Dude, but um, they always do the wrong thing. Oh, of course. Always. Jacksonville will for sure do the wrong oh, thing. Oh, yeah. They're going to take like Jonathan Taylor to back up uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I think Tampa could take him. Yeah. Now, now Interesting. I, I think that would be a dumb move for Tampa because if you pay Tom Brady, your goal is to win. You're trying now. to win the Super Bowl. Now. And so getting yeah, a future investment's sure. not going to work. Right. Uh, Denver could, depending on how they feel about, um, oh, what's his face? Drew Locke. Drew Locke, yeah. Yeah. Um, Atlanta, no. Dallas, no. Miami at 18. If he, like, if my, if he fell and Miami got him with the second first round pick, like, that would be insane. Or Jacksonville at 20 with a second first round pick, like, they, they would sort of back into the right decision, but they should have just taken him before it became a risk. Dude, I'm looking at Bucky Brooks' mock draft right now, and he's got Tua going to Jacksonville at nine. So he has Tua, or he has Jacksonville getting Tua, and then an edge rusher, this kid from Iowa. Those are way too smart Is of that picks. Epinesa? Jacksonville will not do that. Yeah, Epinesa. Um, yeah, there's no way the Jags will do that. Um, yeah, Tua's going to be fascinating, man. I think you're right, though. I think the Dolphins should should stay put, not overthink it, grab him at five. Um, because the Redskins, the Lions, and the Giants aren't going to take him. Um, I, would, I don't know. I would not be surprised at all to see the Dolphins do something like trade back and pick up two more seconds or another late yeah. first and a second or something. I don't know who people are trading up for. Maybe somebody really likes Herbert. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, they, I mean, they're, they stripped it down to the studs last year. So if they came out of this with like six or seven picks in the first two rounds, yeah, I mean, that, that really is a franchise changing draft potentially. Now I realize we're talking about the dolphins and since Dan yeah. Marino disappeared, they have been completely irrelevant, but yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. Dude, I've watched some Dolphins tape through this. They actually aren't that bad besides their offensive line was bad. Um, their running game was non-existent, which may have been a function of the offensive line. But they could stand to add a running back since they traded away um, oh, the kid from Alabama that they traded to Arizona. Um, anyway, I think the Dolphins... Well, yeah, never- dude, I think the, AF- the AFC East, the whole, the whole conference is really interesting, you know? It could be Buffalo. It could be the Dolphins. The Jets are still a couple years away, um, provided they can get some some pieces around um, around Sam Darnold. But um, yeah, as long as Adam Gase is their coach, they're going to suck. Though he's terrible. He is terrible. He's a quarterback whisperer who has made every quarterback he's ever coached worse. Except yeah. he he got credit for the fact that Peyton Manning was an all time great. Yeah, he didn't ruin Peyton Manning, which Peyton Manning was the de facto quarterback coach for the last. 15 years of his career. I was going to say he was the offensive coordinator and, uh, and quarterbacks coach. Yeah. So I think Absolutely. Adam Gase is living on a reputation, uh, that he did not earn more than everybody this side of the Bill Belichick tree. Most definitely dude. So as you look at these first rounders, who are you the most excited to watch regardless of where they go? Like who's the player that you're like, I can't wait to watch that dude regardless of where he ends up. Makai um, Becton. Yeah, dude, Mackay Becton, Dancing Bear. Um, yeah, talk about Mackay Becton for those who are un, unfamiliar with his body of work. And just his body, which is and work. His body in um, general, exactly. So Mackay Becton is the is the left tackle for University of Louisville. And I mm-hmm. think he's about 6'7". He's listed at 350, which seems about yeah. 25 pounds low. Yeah. But he's a freakishly good athlete. Um, yeah. Just he ran a he ran a five second forty, which is slow for a linebacker, and is blazing for blazing. a guy that uh, that size. And he apparently he had really good ten second splits, which is where they go your first your I'm sorry your ten yard splits your first yeah. ten yards. Uh, so it's basically how quick do you get out of the blocks? Yeah, but he uh, you know last year he was an intriguing prospect, you know, kind of up and coming because he was enormous. This year though, like he he played really well and he he destroyed people. Yeah. And I just, there's a shortage of insane left tackles. I think we were talking about this on a previous, uh, a previous podcast. We were talking about the kind of the era, like the, the Walter Jones, Orlando pace, um, et cetera. Like those guys are gone. Yeah. And he's, I don't know that he's as dominant as those guys are, but to get a monster athlete left tackle, who can yeah. maul guys, who can protect, is just fun. And he's the kind of guy, like, he could do anything. Like, he can play in on any offensive line and make it better. And yeah. uh, he's he's one of the only guys I would like to see Minnesota trade up for. Yeah, you know, like no, it would be awesome. If he dropped to, you know, ninth or tenth pick and they could package their two firsts and move up, yeah. um, I'd be in for that. I don't know if it's the best move for the franchise, but it would be it would make me giddy. Well, dude, you guys need offensive line help. That's that's yes. no. They need you know, they need guards no more than tackles right now. But if they yeah. got him, they can move Riley Reef to guard, and all of a sudden they're a little stronger at that position too. And yeah, they they were decent last year, but yeah, he would be very exciting if he ended up 
uh, on, I would be excited if he ended up on the Vikings. Oh, most definitely, man. It's yeah, not going to happen, but it would be amazing. He's an amazing prospect. Speaking of offensive linemen, my, uh, my O-line man crush in this, in this first round is Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Uh, in part because he is from Iowa, and Iowa's had such a track record of putting so many great offensive linemen into the into the league over the years. Uh, I think he's a pretty safe prospect. Similar freakish uh, workout numbers as Mackay Becton. Um, there are some amazing tackles in this draft pipe. I mean, there could be six or seven off the board in the first round, which is unbelievable. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching all those all those O line highlight packages that yeah. they put up during the draft. Uh, on some of these guys, but there, there are some teams that are going to come away with good tackles. The dolphins, you got to think they'll get a good tackle, which they desperately need. Um, they have three first rounders. I mean, they could really remake their team with Tua a tackle, uh, Deandre Swift, the running back from Georgia. I'm seeing a lot of mocks with him, uh, going to the dolphins. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the Vikes for a minute though. You guys have two picks. Can, can I talk about one more first round pick that I'm, this is just, this is a straight up Homer pick. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Excited. For sure. Yeah. So you'll also appreciate this one because I think you liked his dad and it is, yeah. uh, Antoine <laughs> Winfield Jr. Oh dude. Yeah. Loved his dad, man. Loved his dad. I like Antoine Winfield Jr. A lot. Um, just a good football player. Yeah, you know, very very good football player makes a lot of plays. He's a little small for the safety position because he's like five. Yeah. he's probably five nine or five ten. Solidly built, ran. You know, he's yeah. fast. He runs in the four fours, but he's a he's a University of Minnesota guy. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very unfamiliar with watching professional prospect play in the University of Minnesota uniform. Yeah, it just doesn't happen often. Yeah, and so um, watching a number of their games this year when they had a, they had a really good year. He just kept making plays, and I was like, is this a fluke? What is happening? And then I realized, oh, that's what happens when there's NFL talent on your team. Yep. This is new to me. Yeah, yeah. He had, he, he's phenomenal, made multiple game-saving interceptions, et cetera. Just, he's going to be one of those guys who comes in and it, with a smart defensive coach who doesn't just like put him in at deep safety. He's yeah. going to uh, he's gonna make a defense really uh, quite a bit better by being able to do a lot of stuff. He'll be fun to watch. Dude, absolutely. That's the kind of guy you don't want to overthink the process. You know, and, and the discussion was similar around Tyron Matthew when he came out. He was a little bit undersized. Everybody wants the big, sleek, you know, 6'2", 220, Sean Taylor type safeties. But, um, but yeah, you don't want to overthink it when you look at film and a guy is just popping off, making plays all over the place. And, uh, yeah, to be able to do that at Minnesota and to have that kind of production, um, somebody's going to get a really good football player. Uh, in Antoine Winfield Jr. And it makes me feel just hopelessly old that uh, a guy that I watched not that long ago has a kid coming into the draft. But a last pipe, that's the uh, that that's the world we live in. It Dude, does, one that it I'm, does help that uh, that Winfield played till he was like 40. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he finished up a few years ago and now his kid's about to come in. Um, one guy that I'm stoked to watch, Piper, is uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama. I remember watching Jerry Judy's very first, I think it was the first spring game before the season that he was going to be eligible for the first time. And Alabama spring games are, it's it's an exercise in watching a bunch of grown men and a bunch of impressive prospects. Yes. But um, I remember he just tore, he just tore up that spring game. And um, I was like, man, this guy's a good route runner. He's big, he's fast. Another one that you don't want to overthink, you know, I'm seeing some mocks with other receivers going ahead of Jerry Judy and they're good players too. But 
like to me, Jerry Judy is the plug and play guy at wide receiver. You know, no matter where he goes, I see some mocks with him going to the Raiders, which they need. You know, they they need some weapons at wide receiver. It's they'll like the for new sure better get Amari Cooper. Yeah, dude, they'll for sure get one of them. To me, dude, Jerry Judy physically is like somewhere between Amari Cooper and um, the guy the guy from the Falcons from Alabama, Julio Jones. Julio Jones you yeah. know, who's just a freak. You know, he's a big. A big, tall, fast freak. Um, how, how is it that Alabama has put some so many? Just um, they, they've put a number of really good receivers into the league, and until Tua, they didn't throw the ball. Yeah, like they were, they were just putting, they just ran the ball, and and you know they threw the ball twenty times a game, and it, but they yeah like, they have put some remarkable receivers out there. Dude, they really have. Yeah, they've been receiver you for sure, and oddly enough. A lot of their offensive linemen haven't done well. I mean, for a school that runs the ball so well and for a school that up until very recently did almost all pro-style things offensively, their offensive linemen haven't been great. But um, their receivers have definitely been good. Do you think that's uh, just because their offensive line um, is is largely – they block in such a way that it's, it's aggressive run blocking and play action passing as opposed to what they have to do in the pros, which is a lot more – schematic and athletic and uh um, yeah. the the rpo kind of stuff and all of that which so i wonder if they're just not set up to be good pros because they're just physically dominant guys who never learned how to block in a in a the current pro style yeah dude i honestly don't know and maybe they yeah maybe because they run the ball so exclusively at alabama and they only pass 15 or 20 times a game they just don't have the the pass pro reps in games that a lot of guys have coming into, into the league. I'm not sure. You know, it's an interesting question though. It really is because yeah, some of these position groups at Alabama, they're just a lock, you know, um, and quarterback hasn't been one of them. Offensive line hasn't been one of them, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this year's crop is able to do. They've got two receivers going in the first round though, probably right. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs is the other guy, I think. Which is an um, all-time great name. I don't know if he's a great receiver. He's super fast, but there's been a lot yeah. of fast garbage receivers over the years. Dude, totally. Yeah, you're either getting Deshaun Jackson or like... Uh, John Ross? John Ross, exactly. Yeah, John Ross for sure, man. It'll be it'll be a dice roll, definitely. But so, okay, Pipe. The Vikes have two first-round picks, 22 and 25. Who are you hoping that they get, or what positions do you hope that they get? Um, I'm either hoping, like, I don't love these, they're in a good position from a flexibility standpoint. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, if a, if, if a really good player drops to like 15 or 16, they can, you know, package a second rounder and jump up, something like that. Yeah. Or a future first or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they sit tight, I'm not crazy about it. So I kind of hope they move back and p- get more picks or move up yeah. because they... They have no wide receivers outside of Adam Thielen. Yeah. And they have no cornerbacks at all. They have Mike Hughes, who was a really good rookie, and then Torres ACL. And then their other three starters all left. Yeah. So their yeah. they're, they're top two corners and their nickelback all left. So they really need defensive back help. They need wide receiver help. Uh, they need interior offensive line help. 
And so those, I mean, those would be the three positions that they really, really need. And it's a good draft for those at these spots, not interior offensive line as much, but for corners and wide receivers, like they could probably get one of each. Um, I'm interested, like Denzel Mims from Baylor is somebody who I'm intrigued by. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, I, you know, Ruggs is one of the top receivers who he's one of the only ones that I'd be like, no, don't pick him. Um, yeah. I don't think he'll fall this far because somebody's going to fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would be, I'd be intrigued with, um, with Mims. I don't know a lot about the cornerbacks. To me, cornerback co- has become one of those positions that's so hit or miss. Yeah. Um, cause guys go from one team to another and they go from being elite to garbage because of scheme. Yeah. Um, that's right. So also, um, the Vikings don't like to play rookie corners, which doesn't put them in a great spot this year. So I'm I'm not at all excited about the defensive backs. They might be yeah. good. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I I hope they get a high end wide receiver, and mm. I would like them to go offensive line and then just figure out the defensive back thing elsewhere. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. It really does. And yeah, often you don't see rookie corners translating. Um, a lot of those guys need a year or two to to kind of get used to the pro game for sure. Um, Pipe, what do you think about drafting running backs in the first round? This is kind of a new debate, and it's a bad time to be a running back. It's a bad time to be an elite running back. I think in years past, you would have seen Jonathan Taylor's, J.K. Dobbins, um, DeAndre Swift, some of these elite guys going in the top ten, top fifteen, certainly top twenty. But we could have a we could have a draft with no running backs in the first round. Um, I tend to be more bullish on the running game than most people. So I still like running backs if it's the right person. Uh Um, what do you think about it? So, you know, this is all an analytical thing, you know, the, the, and, and I don't mean that snidely because I think think stats and analysis is really important, but as I've, as I've listened to it and then, and then as I've kind of watched these teams figure out, should they re-sign the guys who they drafted? So, um, you get guys like David Johnson and Devonte Freeman and others who who got a second contract and then kind of fell off the face of the earth. Christian yeah. McCaffrey just got a big deal. I think that's probably a smart deal because he's also mm-hmm. their best wide receiver. Um, yeah. I think so. That that's what comes to mind is one: if you have a top ten pick, don't take a running back. Yeah, because just the value of the positions, defensive linemen are more valuable. Um, an elite wide receiver is more valuable quarterbacks, offensive linemen, all more valuable linebackers yeah. and running backs, not more valuable. Um, so, but if you have like a bottom 10 pick in the first round, it means you get, you get a weapon. If he can, if he can catch passes. So if mm. he's a, like Leonard Fournette should not have been a first round pick period. Oh, Lenny Forns. Because he was a dominant physical runner, but he's a dominant physical runner who, like we talked about previously, he he would have been a star in 1992, uh, not not now. Because he can't he can't catch the he can't catch the ball. You need a, a versatile guy. But the thing about the first round is you get a fifth year option on the guys. So yeah. basically, you get the five best years of their career at a controlled cost. Yeah, and then you don't have to re-sign them. So every right. every four to five years, you draft a guy pretty high second you know, second round or late first. And, and then I, it's not smart to resign these guys unless they're like Christian McCaffrey and are super versatile. Dude. Can I, can I do like a two minute defense of Lenny Florence? Yes. To be fair. I also like him as a player. He's just, yeah, yeah. he's a, he's a guy in the wrong era. I think. 
He's he's in the wrong era and he's on the wrong team. Wow. It kills me that he's yes. with Jacksonville because um, Lenny Fornes is a guy who needs to be running behind a fullback with a quarterback under center. Um, I think he would excel in certain places. Uh, I wish he would get an opportunity to do that because I think he's one of the great talents that's going to be labeled as a bust, but actually wouldn't have been in a better situation. You know what I mean? And I so know you think it's like, like if he, if he swapped places with Zeke Elliott, totally dude, because Dallas like good or bad, they, they, they've put all their eggs in the Zeke basket in the sense that they know that as Zeke goes, the offense goes and they can do play actions and they can get, uh, they can get Dak Prescott on the move. They can do all kinds of things if they kind of run the offense through Zeke. Um, now that being said, there are very few NFL teams who have that approach anymore. You know, I'm just scrolling through this mock draft and I'm looking at all these offenses and they're all primarily shotgun offenses now, but I mean, someplace like Baltimore, um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, to some degree, San Francisco, I mean, with a lot of the like power pistol Shanahan wide zone kind of stuff, um, Seattle for a number of years there, although they've shifted a yeah. little bit. Um, but like if you if you put him there instead of Chris Carson, that's a pretty significantly better team, I think. Dude, honestly, the Titans. I mean, in a in a Minnesota, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, if he could go and play on the Titans in the late '90s with Steve McNair and a fullback and some tight ends, dude, Lenny Fords would run for sixteen hundred yards every year. Um, yeah, he's a just, good football player. There is not in the a wrong lot, situation. Yeah, there's even the teams that run the ball a lot now, like Minnesota runs the ball a lot. Uh, the Titans run yeah. the ball a lot. They run it. They run the. It's a lot of that outside stretch stuff, and yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's. And I, I mean, I think he could do what um, Derrick Henry does, but yeah, Henry is sure. a little bit more of a perimeter runner. Fournette is yeah. definitely more of a like I'm I'm hunting contact, and I yeah. think that's where he. That's probably his biggest shortcoming mm-hmm. because because it's just such a violent game that he just he's gonna knock him he's gonna knock his own career short by by hunting contact instead of figuring out how to be a playmaker. Dude, who's the new coach in Jacksonville? No, they kept Dude, that's their coach. Horrible. They they kept Marone? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they kept Marone and they fired their front office. Wow. Dude, let me let me confirm that. Hang on. Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm I'm like 85% sure that's accurate. Dude, it is Marone. That's wild. Huh. Yeah, that team is a dumpster fire, dude. And I like Marone. Marone like typically is a power run kind of guy. When he was a head coach at Syracuse, they had great running games and they had great power running games. Um I don't know who the coordinator is or what's exactly gone down there in Jacksonville to derail well, the career. The coordinator, it was, uh, what's his name? John D. Filippo. Oh yeah. The Minnesota yeah, yeah, yeah. offensive coordinator who got fired for not <laughs> running the ball enough. Exactly. Who was terrible at Minnesota with a, so D. Filippo will eventually, he will essentially have like screwed up two golden opportunities with two of the most talented, like, you know, between the tackles runners in recent NFL history in Dalvin Cook and Lenny Fords. Um, I mean, it's just human nature that people want to do what they want to do. You know what I mean? And if you're John DeFilippo, you want to spread the ball out and throw a whole bunch, regardless of who you have. 
Um, but it's just a shame that, uh, you know, that some of these great players are going to, are going to suffer for it. Well, to be Um, fair, he was, I think he was the quarterback's coach or something like that for Philly when they won the Super Bowl. And that was a, that was a very talented offense. Um, lots of good players. Then he went to Minnesota who had a few talented players and a bottom five offensive line. They were abysmal. Then he got fired. Well, and then he and the, went to Jacksonville, where it's not like they're overflowing with offensive talent either. So it's he he's another yeah. one who like this is another situation where if Fournette is not a bust because of situation, is DiFilippo a bust because of situation? Yeah. It's hard to say. It's a great question, man. And yeah, Jacksonville is addled with, you know, poor offensive linemen as well. So um so yeah, I mean it's really hard to say who who you blame in these situations for sure. But that feels like a team that's going nowhere. Um, and it feels like a team that just doesn't know who it is, which is a shame. Um, let's talk about draft bus, Piper. Do you have do you have, do you think about draft bus? I do, just because I think their stories are fascinating. Um, and I'm really interested in the whole, you know, there, there's so much fanfare and so much pomp and circumstance when these guys come into the league. And I'm I'm intrigued by why they wash out, who washes out, et cetera. Um so let, let's start with, like, all-time favorite draft bust. Do you have some? Um, Man, in the NFL, it's different. I feel like in the NBA, draft busts are so much more prominent because you're, you're 20% of a starting lineup, and usually you are drafted to turn a franchise around. Sure. You know, so if you're a top – if you're a lottery pick in the NBA, especially if you're a top five pick, yeah. like you're supposed to be a star within a season and a half. Yeah, that's true. In the NFL, the I feel, uh, unless you're a quarterback – maybe a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The economy of it is you're supposed to contribute to a winning team. You know, you're, yeah. you're one of 22 starters. And, uh, and so the bust thing is very different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are quarterback busts. Like I yeah. think Mitch Trubisky is the, probably the biggest bust in recent history. Yeah. Um, and for two reasons, one, he's a bad quarterback Two, They gave up an opportunity so at v- much better quarterbacks to to take him and they you know they mm-hmm. traded away a ton because i think they could have had watson or mahomes if yeah. my if recollection serves boy <laughs> talk about a kick in the teeth to the bears fans uh oh, sorry man. not sorry guys um <laughs> but uh yeah there's just unless you're a, a top quarterback there's not a lot of notable busts yeah i feel like so for example um there have been a, a a bunch of highly drafted defensive linemen in recent years who you never hear about now. Yeah. Are they busts or are they just like, they're solid players. That's yeah. fine. It's not what you hope for out of a number seven pick, but like, they're fine. Like I think Washington's defensive line has a few of those guys uh, and you don't hear anything about them. They're just, they're just there, but, but no, neither good nor bad. Yeah. It's, it's interesting with those guys. I think, you know, edge the edge rusher position has has probably provided a lot of draft busts in the last ten years. Yes. You know, I'm thinking about guys like Barkevius Mingo and yeah, some of these. One. Yeah, some of these small forward build build wise type of guys who were just pass rushers in college who made it work, but who who never really made it work in the pros. Um, and there's there's a lot of boom and bust on that position. Um, you know, I'm looking at these draft busts over the the last 15 years joey harrington with the lions um again though yeah yeah, quarterback it was that a guy in just 
a monumentally bad situation. You know what I mean? Like the, those Matt Mill and Lions teams were just generationally bereft of talent. So, you know, to getting sacked seven times a game yeah. and, you know, not, not having anyone to work with kind of do in Harrington more than, more than he should have. Vince Young, dude, now there's a bust. Did you watch ESPN reran the 2006 national championship game between Texas and USC? Um, Vince Young was unbelievable in that game, dude. See, I think Vince Young was another quarterback ahead of his time. Vince, yeah. like if Vince Young came out now, he, I don't think he, he was quite the passer that Lamar Jackson is in terms of, but I mean, Lamar Jackson was a, is a, was a spotty passer coming out, but yeah, he, Put him in today's league with the different rules about contact, the different yeah. sort of spread offenses. He's yeah. a weapon. But he I came mean, why in, couldn't he came into a league been... when when they just it was it was eye formations and two receivers and and no yeah. creativity at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why couldn't he have been Cam Newton? You know what I mean? Very yeah. similar physically. Um Vince was an unbelievable runner, maybe even a little shiftier and more slippery than Cam. Um that game was a really fun watch, dude. There was so much talent on the field in that game. It's yes. it's astonishing. Um, Brian Cushing was in it, the old USC linebacker. Ray Maluga was a freshman. Um, yeah, a bunch of fun guys, man. Uh, Matt Khalil, or uh, no, Ryan Khalil, the center uh, from USC, was was in that game. Matt Leiner, another another great quarterback draft bust. Um, you know, looked amazing in college. Didn't make it in the pros. Um, Jamarcus Russell is another one. Um, dude, now Vernon Golston is kind of the ultimate, like, yeah. Ed, edge rusher bust who just, I don't think he ever got a sack in the pros. Um, he was, he went to the jets, right? He went to the jets. It's like number yeah. five overall, something like that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like physical tools, you know, looks amazing. Getting off the bus was productive in college. So I'm, I'm looking at a list of bus here and number eight yeah. on their list is Robert Griffin. The third, uh, yeah. I'm gonna throw a fifteen. I'm gonna throw a flag on that fifteen yard penalty for I'm with complete you. contextual BS. Yeah, because he was he looked like the kind of guy who was changing how offenses were run until he totally. got his leg destroyed. So uh, yeah. that's garbage. That's a bad call, um, dude. I hate it when when guys who are injury guys get put on these bus lists. Yes, and I gotta defend my boy. I do this every year. Brian Bosworth, great football player was on his way to having an incredible pro career. Um, then he blew out both shoulders and washed out of the league, but it was injuries, not a lack of talent. And I think it's the same thing with RG three dude. His rookie tape is unbelievable. Uh, he was a freak show. He was burning yes. the league to the ground. Um, and then he got injured and, and of course the, the narrative changed, but yeah, I think it's unfair to put a guy like that on a list like this. Um, it's just not, it's, it's just lazy, you know, um, to, to do that. Dude, you know who is a bust? Huge bust. Trent Richardson. Remember him yes. from Alabama? Oh, yeah, that, that's a great call. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was absolutely a bust. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy who maybe was just a product of a super dominant college offense where Alabama was just so many light years ahead of everybody they were playing. Um, they made it look easy for him, but, I uh, think the thing we discovered when he got to the pros is that he, he couldn't read blocks at all. So yeah, he, not a lot of vision. It, 
at Alabama, you know, they were bigger and meaner, so they would open up monster holes. And then he had the athleticism to make guys miss or run through a tackle. But yeah, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't read a block to save his life. Yeah, dude. So looking at this year's potential crop of first rounders, who do you think has the most bust potential? Justin Herbert, um, Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. um, all of the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. I feel like defensive backs always have bust potential because for all the reasons we talked about already, like if they get in a situation where they're being asked to play a cover three and they're a man to man guy, like they're just going to look terrible. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. If, if Richard Sherman, who is an all time great at his position is put in the wrong system, he looks slow yeah. and old because he is. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think he, um, I think defensive backs for this year, um, I mean, Tua has bust potential, but again, that's injury related more than yeah. anything else. I think those would be, but yeah, I think, I think Herbert and Ruggs are the two I look at and I go, I mean, Ruggs might get 27 catches in his career or he might, <laughs> he might be, you know, he might be Deshaun Jackson yeah. and where he's just, it's 10 touchdowns every year and he's just changing the shape of the defense every game. Dude, you're right. I mean, it's John Ross and his like hamstring pull every three weeks or it's Deshaun Jackson. You know, that's a, that's a, those are great comparisons. You know who are rarely busts, even if they never live up, uh, offensive tackles. I agree. Because if they're bad, they just move to guard. Yeah, that's right. Like Brandon Scherf, who was, he was a top 10 tackle draft pick by, I think the, think the Redskins. Yeah. And he was not a good tackle, but he's been a, dude. now he's one of the five best guards. Yeah. I was going to say he's been a pro bowl guard for years now. And yeah. I feel like other than Becton, like Becton could not really play guard because he's so big. Um, yeah. But all the other tackles in this in this draft, you look at it and you're like, well, if they stink, you have a good guard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Dude, I think there's some bust potential on Chase Young. Not because of anything you've necessarily seen out of him, but I think just the expectations, right? Um expectations are so high yes that if he comes in and does anything less than get 10 or 12 sacks in a season you're you're gonna look at him as a bust Um, i haven't looked at stats on this i feel like defensive end sacks have gone way down in the last couple years do they have because uh the passing games have gotten quicker right right the i mean with the spread schemes it's all predicated on like three-step drop and get the ball out. So, you know, a lot, a lot of these edge guys, they don't have time to really crank up a, a pass rush like they did before. And, I mean, this is the evolution of the game, right? And this is what's so interesting about football as opposed to a game like baseball where the the, the strategies are pretty static. You know, we talk about an inf- or a, you know, a, a, a shift as, as like this huge development in the game, and it is. But, like, I mean, football's always evolving. Yes. So... You have these unbelievable edge rushers and you spread the field to mitigate against it, right? So if somebody like Chase Young or Lawrence Taylor or, you know, whoever is killing you off the edge, then you you spread the ball out. You get it out quick. It's a way to hide inferior offensive linemen. It's a way to keep from having to pay, you know, a king's ransom to a left tackle or whatever. I mean, it's really the, – these are the evolutionary things in the game that make it so fascinating. And – as the game has spread out, as inside linebackers have gotten smaller so that they can run more, I think you're going to see teams like heavy up. You know, I think it's going to be a good time to be Leonard Fournette in like two or three years. Um, <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's how the Titans made it 
to the AFC yeah, Championship dude. game was it, it they they were not as talented. They did not have a good passing game. They had a yeah. They, had, they had like one decent passing weapon, maybe two, but they they did things on offense that other teams were just not prepared to stop because they were prepared dude, to try to to try to run with spread teams. It's like, hey, we've got Jack Conklin and Taylor Luan at tackle. We've got a running back who's 255. And guess what? Your Mike linebacker is 220. He's a glorified safety. Um, so, yeah, they just rolled downhill in the cold. Like when it's cold and you're 220, you don't want to have to to face up against a guy who's 260, dude. When it's what uh, makes Kyle Shanahan so good, too. Like there were some games where, where Garoppolo threw the ball like 12 times. Absolutely. Be- because he's like, well why should we stop running the ball? We're getting six yards a carry. So yeah. we're just, and he did it with three different backs or whatever, but Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, really creative. And, and these are, these are the evolutionary moves that I think are interesting. And it's why we could look back on a chase young and maybe attach the bus label because of the way offenses are going. See, um, and I think that's where we we probably need to change. Like we have in our mind, you know, um, Julius Peppers or even J.J. Yeah. Watt a few years ago or Reggie White Absolutely. or whoever, where these yeah. guys get, you know, 10, 12, 18 sacks a game or a year. Yeah. And and I think like a defensive end who who controls the offensive line and gets eight to 10 sacks yeah is a stud absolutely and uh but it doesn't look that way because it's it's a little bit like baseball where we look at saves for relievers it's yeah a, it's kind of a vanity stat oh absolutely dude. you know whereas absolutely. whereas there's a whole bunch of other metrics that show how dominant a guy is and saves are like well he was just the last guy in the game in a win um yeah. and and i think sacks are a little bit like that for a lot yeah. of these guys like i think last year aaron donald had what like three sacks yeah but if you look at all the other metrics, still Absolutely. the most dominant defensive tackle in the game. Dude, I'd rather have Aaron Donald. You yes. know what I mean? Give me Fletcher Cox. Give me yep. Aaron Donald. Um, I think in another three or four years, we're going to be talking about edge rushers the way that we talk about running backs now. You know, it's just a it's too much of a dice roll, right? To take a, a see the Redskins are they're going to take they're going to take Chase Young and they're still going to be bad, right? Um, or if one they're of the good, reasons, it's because they have defensive tackles like uh, the guys they draft. They drafted what was his name Jonathan something or other out of uh, I think it was Jonathan out of Alabama. A oh yeah, years ago. yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so they they have three other good offensive or defensive linemen, and that's why they're going to be solid as right. a defense, but not not because he revolutionized anything. Dude, it's kind of why nobody wants to pay Jadavion Clowney. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you know the yeah he looks like a Ferrari. You know, he made the big plays in college, but even watching that game that I was texting you about the other night, the 2009 Packers Vikings game, uh, it was Favre's first, first time playing against his old team watching like early career, Clay Matthews, mid career, Jared Allen, like they were just pinning their ears back every play. Yep. And these quarterbacks were taking seven step drops, these long developing downfield plays. I mean, it was a great time to be an edge rusher. You could just feast. Uh, because you knew what your job was, you were pinning your ears back, and um, you know you could really rack up sacks in that era. But uh, but I think it's different now. So I think Chase Young for me has some bust potential. Isaiah Simmons only because his role isn't exactly clear. Yeah, and I think we live in a world where you know, like like we said before, defensive tackle, corner, 
uh, safety in some cases. These are the these are the sort of measurable glamour positions on the defense. And a guy who's an off-ball linebacker who doesn't necessarily rush the passer and doesn't necessarily have a well-defined role on the back end, he could end up like Jabril Peppers. You know, just kind of one of these guys without a position who's sort of stuck between linebacker and safety. Yeah, they uh, like they talk about positionless football. And yeah. that's great if you have um, Bill Belichick coaching your defense or Kyle Shanahan coaching your offense. Right. Where a right. guy gets eight carries and four receptions and he's just a playmaker all over the field. It's yeah. not great for most of the coaches, though, because most of the coaches are like, I just want a weak side linebacker, which then <laughs> exactly. makes somebody like Simmons less valuable because he's not dropping into coverage. He's not blitzing. He's just yeah. he's just like in his area doing his one specified thing. It's Dude, a, who's the who's the comp for Simmons? As um, you think about linebackers, like I, who is it? Is it Anthony Barr? Yeah. Who's been great. Well, he's been up and down because they struggled yeah. to figure out how to use him. The last yeah. couple of years, he's been phenomenal because they realize they kind of, he's not, you know, like when people call somebody a Swiss army knife, to me, yeah. that's an insult because a Swiss army knife is the worst knife. It's bad at, <laughs> yeah. it's bad at everything. That's true. It's a mediocre knife in yeah. like nine different ways. Yeah. But they figured out that they're like, oh, he's a phenomenal blitzer. Yeah. He's also fairly effective in coverage and he can play the run and he can control the, you know, he can control the edge. And so they use him all over the place. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think Simmons could be like that. I think he's, he's not quite as big and he is faster. Yeah. So maybe he's a better coverage guy. Like he's the guy who takes some of these, um, these, uh, ed, what do they call the tight ends? Like the stand up tight ends, um, yeah. out of the game. Like he, He's yeah. the guy who might be able to run with some of the top tight ends, but then also play the run, take away the middle of the field a little bit. So, but I think he's see that's of, a defined role though. Like I like him as a, as, as like a Jared Cook neutralizer or a Darren Waller kind of neutralizer, a guy you can put on one of these flex tight ends and and say cover this guy. I but, do like him as that. And I think the difference um, between him and some other guys is that if you like you line them if they were playing whoever he's on, they go play the Titans. Yeah, I think he has the ability to step up and put Derrick Henry on the ground too. So he he can run with Jonu Smith or whatever. But since yeah. the Titans don't really pass, like he can sort of shirk that responsibility and yeah. and step up and play the run. Um, you know, whereas most Did you guys, know what he would be what he would be great at to me. Like my comp for him is Brian Urlacher. Okay, um, who actually played some safety in college, yep. but had similar physical dimensions yeah. you know one of these tall lanky Dude, heavy strong fierce. fast line he was he was but he was a still i mean the he was second the, best linebacker on that bears team though dude who was the first best lance briggs lance briggs was nice man. lance briggs he as a, a traditional linebacker was disgusting he was so good and i lance briggs was more of a like rip your face off guy too um, whereas Erlacher was more of a ro- roam around in space guy. But yeah. so Erlacher played, he played middle linebacker in a Tampa two, which basically meant dropping back 20 yards on most plays and being kind of a center fielder. Um, and he was great at it because he, he could cover so much space. Um, you know, the league is different now. That was back when, like you said, everybody was lining up with two backs and a tight end. 
Um, so it's a different league now. Yeah, but... Simmons is sort of Derek Brooks 2.0. Well, I mean, Erlacher was Derek Brooks 2.0, and then he, he just sort of a, a an ongoing, like in that legacy of monster guys yeah. who are also really fast and rangy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could, for... could he be Keekly, or is Keekly more of a traditional middle linebacker? Dude, I think Keekly's more traditional. And Keekly's thing, I haven't watched enough Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons just flies off the page from a physical standpoint. Yeah. But with Keekly, it was instincts. I mean, yeah. he was more Ray he was Lewis. Like, he was calling the offense's plays before, <laughs> you know, before they knew where they were going. You know, he had the play called and he was there. So he was just incredibly instinctive, very physical, like in terms of running from sideline to sideline. Great tackler. Yeah. Like he was just a great he was he was great when it when it was time to make the tackle. I don't know how good Simmons is in all those ways. Right, that uh, makes sense. He may end up being like that, but I think Keekley was pretty special in a lot of those ways, and you you knew it when he came out. Um, so yeah, to me, like Keekley and early career Ray Lewis are very analogous. You know, both about two twenty five. Ray Lewis was small when he came out. Yeah, uh, but he could fly. He was all over the place like Keekley was. Um, so yeah, Simmons, Chase Young, I think the expectations are just going to be sky high and, and there may be no way that these guys can live up to it. Um, so that's where I'm looking for bust potential. One of the tackles is going to be a bust, but like you said, they could kick inside to guard. Um, and maybe it's not such an issue. Um, yeah, pipe going to be fun, man. Who, whose draft feed do you watch? Do you watch NFL network or ESPN? Uh, in the past, I've watched ESPN because I didn't have access to NFL Network. Um, I'll be interested to see. It'll be it'll be whoever Hulu Live has, which yeah, might be all of go. them this year. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Are there any like mid or late round prospects? I realize we it's not like we're draft next, so maybe we haven't gotten this far. But just names or guys you watched in college, you're like, I really – I have a Jones for this guy. I want him Dude, to Dude, I actually, I actually do have one. Um, it's A.J. Dillon. He played running back at Boston College. He's six foot, 247 pounds, ran a four, five, three, was like freakishly productive at Boston college. I think he started all four years or parts of all four years. Um, he's one of those guys that could be had in like the third or fourth round and end up being, um, I don't know, a Leonard Fournette, a James Connor, um, just one of these really productive pounded inside kind of guys that I love. Like I would, if it was 1992, I would build an offense around AJ Dillon. So he's uh, he's the kind of guy that a smart offensive coach is going to take and not say we're going to give you the ball 25 times a game, but like he's going to be in their heavier packages and against yeah. certain matchups is going to destroy. Dude, I think he's going to be really good. And one of the things that kills me about people who scout running backs in 2020 is that they get dinged for being for getting the ball too much basically in college, but people forget that like Walter Payton, LaDainian Tomlinson, Emmett Smith, these guys all had a zillion carries in college because they were the best player on their team and it wasn't even close. Yes. And and yet when guys come out in the draft, it's like, oh, he's got a little he he doesn't have much tread left on the tires. He had three hundred carries in college, and it's like Give me the guy who was his best college player. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, all, I want that guy. Also, that's three hundred chances to figure out how to read a block. To figure that's out it, like man. what is yeah. your like what is your I mean, spin move, your stiff arm, your your whatever, your instinctive yeah. moves in space? Football is a game of reps, right? And you get better with the more reps that you take. And um, I'm bullish on A.J. Dillon. I think he's going to be a steal third or fourth round, kind of mid-round running back. Who do you like, Pipe, in that like sleeper category? Um, 
So I'm going to go another homer pick here. Um, yeah. Tyler Johnson. Okay. He's a wide receiver from Minnesota. So okay. two two reasons I like him. One, yeah. I'm going to give the purely emotional reason, and then the second <laughs> is the football reason. So he, That's okay. he played quarterback in high school at Minneapolis North, which okay. Minneapolis City football is not good football. Yeah. I, I, I went to Minneapolis South, so rival school of theirs. Um, yeah. All the schools in our conference were bad. The best okay. school in our conference got hammered by suburban schools. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he led them to, I think, runner-up in state uh, as the quarterback for that team. And it, it's one of those schools that is an urban area that's declining. I think they may have even merged it with a different school since then. Um, yeah. just, just a, the, all of the good athletes in that area go open enrollment at suburban schools, except him. Sure. So he's the only Minneapolis city, uh, football player in that I know of who has made it to the NFL draft in, in my lifetime. Um, interesting. But then in Minnesota, he he switched to wide receiver and and just got better every year. Broke mm-hmm. most of the receiving records for the school, receptions, touchdowns, yards, et cetera, or at least is in the top two or three. Um, and he's he's probably six one or six two, just over two hundred pounds. So just like a I think like Anquan Bolden build, um, mm-hmm. great improving route runner, just various times just put guys in spin cycles on double moves really good contested catch guy not sure how fast he is but he seems like one of those guys who could be like a tyler boyd or something like that where like you just he develops into a really good wide receiver too um in the right situation and he and he knows what it takes to continue to improve so i think he's one he's one of the guys who i would love to see the vikings take a flyer on as well because they need wide receivers he's a hometown guy he yeah. and I think I think he will figure out how to be a productive NFL player, and uh, he's just he's a fun guy to watch too. I like it, dude. I like it. That would be sweet. Well, pipe. We've done what we always do on this program, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout the NFL draft. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm sure we will be uh, texting each other back and forth that night. I know that my kids' weirdo school isn't going to decide to have their fundraiser the same night as the NFL draft, which they did two years ago because we can't go anywhere. So, um, one upside to this thing, but, uh, Piper hang in there, baby. I can tell you're a little glum and, uh, I, I need think sports I am too. so is, bad. Like I'm, I'm yeah, I'm in <laughs> this is wearing on withdrawal. Dude. So let me, let me give you a little assignment. Okay. Find our next video breakdown thing. All right. Um, uh, whether it's a, an all-star game or some baseball thing or just something from the NBA that we haven't done. Uh, find our next video breakdown. We will uh, we will do that next and uh, make make ourselves feel yeah. better. I've got a couple baseball ideas in mind, listeners. So we're uh, nice. I'm going to work on those. Dude, I'm missing baseball. I know. So yeah. I'm so ready for it. I'm so so ready for it. Uh, I saw that some like professional league in Taiwan started playing without fans, and uh, I don't know. My heart leapt, man. It made me it made me hopeful that we might. Yeah. Get there I, at some point. This I summer. almost became a fan of Taiwanese baseball the way you are of the CFL. <laughs> Dude, seriously, we may both be in that boat before this is all said and done. And the CFL is on hiatus. Ah, kills me, man. Absolutely kills me. But Piper, we will uh, we will soldier on. We'll have the draft to uh, get us through at least a little while. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Thank you.